Thank you, Lord. This morning. Why don't you just worship him? Why don't you just give him praise this morning? Oh, bless He's the reason that the sun is shining and that the birds are singing and the air smells so clean this morning. But he's also the reason that our soul can lift up and say, Abba, Father, this morning. Where would we be without him today? Oh, wonderful Jesus, wonderful Jesus. We worship you this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We honor you. We praise you. We respect you this morning. You're everything to us. You're everything to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow, wonderful presence here this morning. I pray it's the same where you're at. Just a pleasure to be gathered together and not the way we would like, but it's, uh, it's a privilege to gather together around the revealed Word of God. Amen. We're a little different order, but we believe God will make a way for us. And uh, may the Holy Spirit be your portion wherever you are this morning. Amen. I want to, uh, I didn't have a chance to make these needs known, but I received a text last night from somebody that Sister Alana Cokert asked to remember her brother, uh, Stephen Atkinson. He's in stage four cancer. Healing is a need, but greater is the need for salvation of a soul. And if he should go, to go without Christ. So we want to remember that need as she brought that to our attention. And also I just want to remember... Um, Brother Harold has been communicating, and myself also with Brother Stephen Abali. They're doing much work. Um, they've been baptizing people. The work, the mission work is going on. And, uh, but Brother Stephen, his body is wearing down, his strength. We just want to ask God to uphold him and strengthen him, and also the workers around him. The work is greater than what one man can do. We appreciate our brother but we all need to work together, and so we want to remember him. And then as well, I just had a text this morning from Brother Basabozi, who also lives in Uganda. He's moving into Ethiopia with some mission work. He updated me with a few details, but we want to remember him. While we're standing this morning, maybe you have a need. I know around the world there's needs, uh, brothers and sisters in India, and... Uh, different places, but you just want to be remembered as we just bow one more time, as we can open the word right away. We want to invite the Lord to come. Without him being here this morning, uh, no matter how many years I've studied, it wouldn't help at all. But when he comes, when he makes it real, and no matter how much, how much you've listened, but when he comes by, there's a difference. Do you love him this morning? Can we just bow our heads one more time? Heavenly Father, so we're bowed one more time in your presence. Lord, recognizing our weakness, our insufficiency. But Lord, you've made us a partner, a part of this great program. And we're so grateful, Lord, that you called us out. And we bring our vessels to you this morning. 
Speak through them. Hear through them. Father, may you touch every heart in every place. And if there'd be a heart that's closed, Lord, you know how to open it. You know how Brother Ray sang that song from the outset. Open our hearts, Lord. May you do your work, Lord. Lord, nothing the enemy can throw can hinder your purpose. And what you've purposed, it will come to pass. That's our confidence this morning. We remember this man, this Stephen Atkinson. Lord, before he would pass, if it would be your will, you could raise him up. But more than that, the request was penned for his soul. Oh, Lord, would you remember him? While there's yet breath, we commit him in your hands. We remember our brethren in India, many of who've suffered, and a couple of pastors have passed away, and different ones and congregations. We know, Lord, that the devil can do nothing except he would get permission first. That's, again, our confidence. We remember the work in Uganda and Ethiopia. We remember our brother Stephen Abali this morning. Strengthen our brother, Lord. We work with him. We support him. We also remember Brother Basabozi, who would be working into Ethiopia and doing things. Lord, we commit these brethren, and so many workers were needed in this last hour. Lord, we commit all these needs. And now ourselves, Lord, as we've gathered this morning, prayer has already been offered, but we commit ourselves to you. We commit our vessels to you. Your will be done in our lives. Thank you to be gathered around you, the revealed word of the hour. We pray a special blessing. Lord, this morning, this day, they call Mother's Day. We'll maybe speak a little on it, but may it be upon every mother. Lord, not just a mother because of a physical act, but because of a nature, something you've placed within that goes deeper and greater. Father, we pray a special blessing on the real mothers that you have in this hour. Now, Lord, we, as we open the word, we ask your blessing upon it. Thank you for the gathering this morning. We commit all these things to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we just maybe sing just the song that we all know, Only Believe, Only Believe. Only Believe. Only Believe. Let Thank you to the musicians. I sure enjoyed the song service.
I can do as good a job ministering as Brother Ray and the musicians did in the worship, we're going to have a great service. Amen. God bless you where you are. Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to start the reading there this morning. And uh, as I said, it's Mother's Day and we want to touch on that, but our thoughts will back up a little bit before that. We believe that we have a message, that there are truths that are being revealed, and uh, true mothers couldn't be what they were if God hadn't ordained it to be so. So Proverbs chapter 3, let's start the reading from um, verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. And then as Solomon is writing here, he now changes the designation to a feminine on this and says, she is more precious than rubies. And all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. So he's talking about wisdom, but he's putting it into a feminine designation. And it says her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her ways are peace. Verse 18, she is a tree of life to them that lay a hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. Also, if you can, Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs 31, we'll just take a little portion of this for the moment. We'll start the reading in verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Drop down to verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. God bless his word this morning. You may have your seats. Some of you, where you're seated, you will have the comfort of your seats. Other ones will just have your seats. So wherever you're at this morning, may you have your seats and enjoy it as much as you can. I'm going to ask you also to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and read a couple of verses here. This will give us the context for where we're going this morning. But 1 Corinthians chapter 11, this is in verse 3. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. 
This is the eternal word of God. It hasn't changed no matter what the public perception is, no matter what the way of the world is. This is God's word. He also goes on to say, as we drop down to verse 7, Paul would speak here a little bit about headship, and he would talk about the natural of the covering. But he says this in verse 7, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Now this is not just natural, these words. They are natural, but they also type the spiritual. And I would like to say there's a lady in the earth today, I would call her the elect lady. She governs herself by these principles. She is not looking to be her own, to have her own name, to have her own voice, but she's looking to please her husband. She's looking to please her Lord. And I believe that that lady is the bride of Jesus Christ. And she's been ordained to bring forth what she's bringing forth in this hour. And it's not of herself. She needs her Lord. And it also reflects within the natural, that is, the natural body of Christ, the natural man, the natural woman, the natural order of the family. Now, I want to take this morning, if I can, for a subject I'll give it a title, A Woman in Her Glory Bringing Forth Again. And I'm going to back up a little bit, take a little bit from the Scriptures, but also some principles. And I'm so thankful for the message that we can depend on and go to. There's not a lot of resources you can go to. My wife and I, we went into a Bible store the other day and I used to go a lot more when I was younger. There'd be different books. I'd, I'd, I'd like to go to biographies, and I'd go. I'd always, nowadays, all I really go and look at is the Bible. Maybe a few pictures or things, but the Bible is the thing. And so I, I would like to say through the prophet and through the message of the hour, we're here this morning not to get some man's interpretation. If we are the woman, the feminine in designation, the bride, then we want to hear what our Lord says. And we want to find ourselves not in our own glory, but in the glory of our mate. And that is the glory that we've been ordained to. And that's the only real glory that we've been given. So through a prophet in this last hour, we've been given the mind of God. We're not here to change God's mind about the way things should be and because of world conditions, but we're here rather to say, Lord, wash us from all of these things and give us your mind, give us your opinion, and let us be set to that. Now we had a, the mind of God was made known to us in this last day through a prophet that he sent us that would give us his mind. And he would speak a message and would use this as a title. And he would say, does God change his mind about his word? That was a question to a, to a message that was given. And if you know the message, you know it was the story of Balaam. But the answer to the whole thing was the answer is no, God does not change his mind. But what was identified in that message is that there is a permissive will of God and there is a perfect will of God. 
the permissive will of God, which Balaam operated under, is something he wanted so bad, it was desires he had, it was temptations for glory, for fame, and what it did, it misrepresented even the anointing that was on him began to be channeled in the wrong way. So he wanted something so bad, God said, okay, you can have it. And he had it, but it bore fruit. And the fruit sometimes is not a good crop. And so Balaam, and we won't go into it, that's not the title. But there is a permissive will. God will permit you to operate in it. But if you're a true seed of God, you might bear the consequences of it. You might bear the pain of it. But it will bring you around to the perfect will of God. So in the perfect will, that's where we're all coming to, there is a natural birth we had. It was not the way God ordained in the original. And from the natural birth, we bore the characteristics of the natural birth. And those characteristics will not fulfill God's perfect will. That's why we need to be born again. So God is working with us, bringing it, and if you're a true seed of God, you were here in the beginning with Him. You always were. You're, you, you, God ordained you. He put the materials in the earth, the natural things. He placed them there. And He wanted them to be there. And He wanted to bring you forth. And He's still working with them. But He's also bringing together the other parts that are needed. So the prophet would also spoke, spoke a message. And in it he spoke... It's called spoken word is the original seed. So God has a way of doing things. And when spoken, it will bring forth. It will bring forth exactly what God has. And, and, and I, I love the way Brother Harold would, it's something that stuck with me for many years. Nothing will ever happen. Uh, nothing will ever turn out any better than the motive or the purpose with which it was intended. The motive or the objective with which it was intended. Now, in a message, a sister had told me how this message had blessed her. And I found another title. So, to that sister who shared that this week earlier, it's from a message, I know my Redeemer liveth. And he spoke several of them. But this is from the message in 1958. God's purpose can never be defeated. There is nothing that can defeat it, so we ought to be happy today, resting that the beautiful revelation of the Word of God, there is neither things present, nor things to come, nor sickness, nor sorrow, nor death, nor perils, that can ever separate us from the purpose of the living God. What God has imagined in His mind, what He's purposed in His heart, will come to pass. There is no demon, there is no power that can ever separate us from God's eternal plan. It must be as God has said. Now, Brother Branham would go on and talk about different circumstances that came to play. And, and he would talk about the different things that would come. And he would talk about Abraham being as good as dead. But he also talked not just about Abraham, but the promise that was given to him that a seed would come forth. And for Abraham to fulfill that, it also required Sarah, who was the womb for that promise to be fulfilled. And Sarah's womb was also dead. 
Now that didn't change what God's purpose was. Her body was old, it was wrinkled, her milk veins were ate up, her heart was weak. It could have not gone through labor. Now, but God letting us know that his purpose will not be defeated, he changed Sarah and he made her young again, took a man 100 years old and turned him back to his youth. Now there are scholars all over the world that read that, but they never can see that in the Bible. And through a message, it's a mystery how that could ever happen. Neither can we take the rapture in our natural body, but God will change our beings. He will make us young again. He will bring us into the rapture. That is an order of God. It can never be defeated. Now, he says, no matter how unreasonable, God gave the promise, but he also says this, because Abraham himself had to believe God's promise. It said he staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong, giving praise. So this morning, we're, not, we're talking about a natural womb, but we're also talking about a spiritual womb. And we need to allow that womb to continually give life to the seed of God. Now, Brother Branham will also go on and say in the same message, no matter how much sickness comes, how, how the kind of death we die, how much poverty we go through, God's purpose cannot be defeated. He will raise us up again. Because I live, you shall live also. You say, oh, Brother Ed, we've been through this, and even in the message, we've been through all these things and all these seasons. Listen to how Brother Branham speaks in 1958 of himself, and, and, and now he's in that time just, in, in, in really just coming at up to the age of 50. And these are the words he used. And he says, today being my birthday, and that was in, on, on April the 6th, he said, I'm getting to be an old man. I look in the glass and I see that the little boy that built this tabernacle is not a little boy anymore. He said, he's becoming an aged man, stooping shoulders, Beard turning gray, hair going out, but nothing can defeat the purpose of God. Nothing can. Oh, what a joy that gives us today. No matter how old you're getting, no matter how stooped you're getting, that's the purpose of God. He says, therefore, because I live, you shall live also. And then he asked this question yet in, the same, in, the same, in this message. Do you think the heavenly Father will be defeated in his purpose? Even though Satan has done what he's done, it's an impossibility. He will never be defeated. And he's given us a perfect assurance that we don't have to be scared of anything. I want to be found standing on the Word of God. I don't want to be found standing on the news articles or what the world is thinking. I want to be found standing on what God said. That's why we're here. That's why we're listening to the Word of God. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to move along a little bit. There's this, in God's order and in His program, He also ordained it that there would be a thing called free moral agency. He allows us to have a choice. He allows us to accept, to reject. He allows us to believe or to have unbelief.
It's called free moral agency. We have a choice. Adam had a choice. Eve had a choice. We have a choice. Now, somebody came, and this is in a message, Questions and Answers, on Hebrews, number one, and they asked Brother Branham this question. And they said, I'm trying to, to simplify it. Now, if the atonement covered all of Adam's race, and some were lost because they did not avail themselves of the promise or the provision, will that be a mightier force than the eternal plans and purpose of God? So they're saying that some that were born out of Adam didn't fulfill it. He says, because they chose something, he says, will that be a mightier force than the eternal plans or purposes of God. And then there's a second question. Would not a man's free will be a mightier force than the eternal plans and purpose of an almighty God? Now, you might think that's a strange question to ask. Because we can, we can Brother Branham will say in one place, in, in Standing in the Gap, I believe, he says, God doesn't push a man through a pipe and force him to do anything. And so it's not that you're predestinated, and I don't know if that was Brother Andrew that ministered on a couple weeks ago, but he, he was talking about, uh, you know, we're, 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 not, we're, we're, we're not just, it's not us as a person that's predestinated, but there's a seed that's predestinated. So it's not that God said, you're just going to be there. No, there's a seed inside of you that God is working with. And that seed, we have to allow that seed to nurture and come up in a womb and to come to fruition to where it will accept. And that's why God made mothers. God made mothers because they have a way of creating an atmosphere that the children, when they're in trouble, who do they go running to? Their sibling? Their father? No, they come to mother because mother comforts, mother nurtures. God ordained for mothers to be there to fulfill and to create an atmosphere that there would be something that would bring forth life, not just naturally, but spiritually. Now, so they asked Brother Branham this question. Could a man's free will be a mightier force than the eternal plans and purpose of God? And we think, well, what a crazy question. He says, but Brother Branham answers it kindly. He says, certainly not. How could the will of man be a greater force than the purpose of God? Man in his carnal condition to will what he wants to more forceful than an eternal, perfect God. The eternal God whose purpose is perfect, how can you say that a carnal man down here, no, he says, it can't be. The purpose of the eternal and almighty God is perfect. Now, so if that's the case, and we're not just predestinated, God has to orchestrate things in our lives that bring us to a point where our desire, our decision, becomes His perfect will. That it becomes that which He's ordained it to be. So, so now I want to go down this principle a little bit, and I'm going to ask you to use your Bible and stay with me. I, I, I feel the pull. I don't believe it's just here. I believe it's from all of you. And I appreciate the pull this morning. Genesis chapter 1. And, and, and uh, we'll just take a few scriptures. Now, 
I, I, I trust that you don't let this become old, but let it become fresh. Let it be new. Let it be something that God's adding and helping this morning. And, and I, I want to use this. So Genesis chapter 1, let's just take a principle. I, I really believe that the message we have is not just quotes and things that are out there and supersede the Bible. Rather, they are the Bible. The, it is one and the same. It shed light that was previously hidden, and God's illuminating the Scriptures to us. So in Genesis chapter, 11, chapter 1, let's just take verse 11. This is very well known to us. And it said, and it's a law of reproduction, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. Now, I want you to notice this. God said, let the earth. Now, it wasn't, it was God's spoken word, but the womb for this to happen was going to be the earth. The bedding ground was going to be the earth. God set in motion the word that would continue. It would not just be a one-time thing that God would have to speak it again and again, but he set into motion the earth that was there, the seeds that were there, and he says, now let the earth bring forth. Can you, can you follow with me on this? Jump over to verse 20. In verse 20 says, and God said, let the waters bring forth. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about the life that was going to be in the waters. And he said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that has life. And then he says, and the fowl that may fly upon above the earth in the open firmament of the heaven. So God's ordaining something to, to come forth from the womb to live in the atmosphere that it's going to live in. Let's jump down to verse 24. And God says again, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping things and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. Now it's, it's continually evoluting, it's going higher, it's going higher, it's moving further, but God's establishing a principle. It was a principle God used himself. God spoke the word and he believed his word and it was so. So God speaks the word, but if there's nobody there to believe it, what does it do? The word is lying there until there's a womb that will receive it. Isaiah spoke a word, and he said, let a virgin conceive, and that word circled the earth, circled the earth, circled the earth, and one day there was a woman named Mary, and her heart was open, and she received the word, and it was so. And I believe there's also a woman on the earth that is receiving the word, and it will be so. I, I believe it's with all my heart. And I believe I'm one of them. And I believe I'm sitting with the people that are one of them. Now, so it comes to verse 24. Let's go to verse 26. And God said, now he's going higher all the time. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, now look at the different things that are here. He's going, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, 
Man was made in the likeness of animal life, but it was on a higher order. Now, I'll come to this just maybe in a moment. And, and, but he's talking the principle, let us make man in our image. Now, this includes the characteristics of the man, which was feminine and masculine. So in verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now there's a mystery that's hidden there that couldn't be seen. Let let me just drop this in. I may be a little ahead of the game. But when the law of reproduction would have a animal life to bring forth, whatever that animal was, it it, it could be a lion, it could be a rooster. I say a rooster because our neighbors next to us have some chickens and there's a rooster. And he used to, the cock used to crow at the day, daylight and that was wonderful when it was 8 o'clock. But now I'm hearing it at 5.30 in the morning. And it's not so wonderful anymore. But I'm just saying, so out of all those animals that are there and, and the animals that are there, God... He would allow them to reproduce. They'd have to mingle their seed. But it wasn't that, that he would, God would ordain a certain one. It was just, you know, even the ground that was there, he took a piece of the ground here and a piece of the ground there and put them together. But when it comes to man, he doesn't separate it. It comes from the same source. It came from within We have come from the loins of God. We have not come from somewhere here, planted there. We came from God. We're going back to God. There's a male part. There's a female part. So now, he would would say this in verse 28. Now this is the commission that is given when they were theophany being, not yet flesh being. And God blessed them, and he said unto them, now notice the things. There's, there's five different things here. One, brief, fruitful. Number two, multiply. Number three, replenish the earth. Number four, subdue it. Number five, have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, every living thing. So God is giving this commission. This is God's purpose. Now it hasn't changed even to where we're at today. This is still His purpose today. Now, I'm, I know I'm moving slow and I'm, I'm doing it that way, but you know what? There's, we have young people that are raising up. Maybe they've never heard this. And I'd say, listen to it. It's God's Word. It's a part of what will help you and sustain you. So Genesis 2, now we see God on the seventh day resting and, and all the gardens coming forth. Now, I'll summarize this much more quickly. But it, there, was, there was an Eden, and then there was a garden eastward, that God planted, and in there he put the man that he had formed out of the dust of the ground, and he'd breathed the breath of life into. He also put there two trees, a tree of life and a tree of knowledge. In other words, two paths, two distinct natures, but man was meant to live by the tree of life. He was meant to rely on the tree of life in order to fulfill God's purpose. So he would say... In fact, in verse 7, in verse, if we, let's just, let's just go directly to Genesis 2, verse 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded of the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, 
But the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you shall eat thereof, you shall die. So in other words, it, this, this tree, uh, now, now I want to just take this. This is now just Adam. And, and Eve wasn't here to hear it, but she was a part of him. Now the next thing we find in, in, in the next verse is there's an Adam. Adam is expressing a hunger that was also a part of God here. And the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. So, so that's a natural thing. We spoke on it last week about hunger, about thirst. It's a natural thing to have fellowship. It's a natural thing for a man to want to find, to have his, a woman, to have a companion. And so God's, it's a, but it's also a part of God. And God's desiring a companion. But Adam, he's expressing this hunger. And God says, I will make a helpmate for him. The next thing we see is Adam looking at all the animals and seeing two of this, two of that, and he's calling them their names and doing all of this. And as Adam is looking at all these animals, and it says again at the end of verse 20, but for Adam there was not a helpmate found for him. So you can only get so much satisfaction out of your job. You can only get so much satisfaction out of riding your quad or going fishing. At the end of the day, there's a hunger that God put there that can only be satisfied by one person. And thank God that it's there. And thank God that there's a person to fulfill that hunger. Now, it says in verse 21, the, the Lord caused the sleep, jumped down to verse 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, because Eve comes forth from the rib. This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, now, this is already speaking to God's law of reproduction. Never before did you see mother or father introduced into the equation, except now. So now he says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, I, I, I said a lot there, and you say, Where are you going, brother? I'd just stay with me. Can I, I want to just read. I'm not going to ask permission. I'm just going to read. I said, Can I read something? I'm, thank you. I got permission. But he says, now, man and a woman, and I just want to say this for a brief moment just to, while we're here. God made man in an image, but when he separated the masculine and the female, he says Adam was the more burly type. He was the man, the masculine type. The woman was the feminist. It's the same spirit. He took her from Adam. And so he says, he, he would go on in different places. It wasn't meant for a man to be sissified. When you see that, there's something wrong. When you see the outward kind of like just a slicker and a little bit this. Brother Bam says, he would actually say in many places, there's something wrong with that man's spirit. So it's not just the outward, but it's the spirit that's mixed up. And he would say also, it's wrong for a woman to have a masculine spirit. It was meant for her to be submissive, submissive, also to be dainty, to be beautiful, etc., etc. He said, does a woman look right when she's trying to be a man? Brother Ram actually tells the story how he was working out in a lumber camp or something, and somebody told a joke. It was kind of a crude joke, and, and this is before he was saved, I believe. And, he, and he's saying, and they were all laughing, and, and he slapped the knees of somebody, and this person's laughing with a cigarette out of their mouth. And, and then they took their hat off, and their hair fell down. It was long. He said, you're a woman? Yeah, I'm a woman. Uh, pardon me. I never knew. 
<laughs> he said that you were a woman. <laughs> now, listen, we don't have to go very far for that to happen today. No more, no more said, okay. But there's a separation that God had, and, and but Brother Branham would now bring the two together. So while they were separated, they were also meant to coexist together. So he says, when a man takes a wife and takes her to his bosom and presses that woman, it puts a print on him. Another woman would mar that forever. No other woman should ever fit that mold. You've got no right to put your arms around a woman, a dance floor, anywhere. You've got a wife. God put her on your heart. He printed you against her, and she's yours. And you woman... You take another man, you're marred from the mold you've taken him from, and when you act like a man, you're out of your place too. Now, he, Brother Brandon would bring this to him more because so often we, I don't want the message to be a misrepresentation. You know, that the man is here and the woman's here. No, each has their place given by God. And when you're in your place, there's no greater satisfaction. That is your glory. That's what God has ordained. But it's so easy to jump ahead or, or cross over even in our conduct and our actions if we're not careful. Now, Brother Bannon would say, now, he's the boss, he's a ruler, but that doesn't mean you're a floor mat. You're a helpmate. And men, you're not to kick women around. The Bible, God said, he shall rule over you. You're not to be a boss. You're to be a helpmate. She's sweet. She's kind. She's tender. You should lead her around sweetly because she's a part of you. And when you're mistreating her, you're mistreating yourself. Oh, we should put that one up on our fridge. Not just on Mother's Day or her birthday or an anniversary, but, but anytime. And he says, and if you're a man that is mentally right won't do that. And all the men said, amen. And the sisters go, yes. No, okay, that, that's, that, that may be part of it, but we're together on this thing. Now, I, I want to say this now, going back to Genesis. Now, Eve was the womb which what God had ordained to bring forth. Now, the earth was the womb that brought forth the natural, but now Eve was to be the womb that would bring forth the race, the super race that God had ordained. So in the message that Brother Branham would speak, and this is in the message uh, spoken word is the original seed. Let me read a couple of things. Eve listened to the serpent, and when she did that, she was to bring life into the world, but it said she hybrided. It brought forth a different crop, a big crop, a better crop that goes back to the seed that she was mingled with. She brought forth a hybrid crop. Now, he, he will go on and say this. Eve would have finally brought the child forth. In other words, it was God's intended purpose, His will, for there to be sons and daughters, but He chose Eve to bring it forth through. And He said, 
Eve would have brought it forth, but she listened to the serpent for wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Eve would have brought forth that child. She would have finally done it. Now, it wasn't just Adam. It was Eve together. So whenever God speaks something, even in this end time, he would say in in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. So God cannot bear fruit outside of having a tree that will bear fruit. And, and, and he's depending on us to be yielded that he can work his program. Without us, he can't be displayed as God in this last age. If, if you can catch this, what a program that we are a part of. What a, what a God we serve that he would take us who were fallen and in sin and he would take us and make us a part of this program. Listen, Sister Ruth, I'm going to just get you to jump ahead to Romans chapter 7 just for a moment. Keep, keep your finger in, in Genesis if you like. But Romans chapter 7, I, I just want to, I, I don't know if we can appreciate this. Romans chapter 7, and, and, and he's, this is Paul speaking about what seemed to be marriage and divorce in the, in the first three verses. But verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren... You are become dead to the law by the body of Christ that you should be married to another, even to him that is raised from the dead. So he's talking about being dead to your first husband. Our first husband was the nature that was a nature of death. That was the nature of the world. So he's talking about because we were born wrong, you've got to die out to that, be born again. But look at God's taking something that was defiled something that was, you know, Satan attempted to get to, but God's purpose doesn't change. And he says, therefore you become dead to the law by the body of Christ that you should be married to another, even to him that is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Oh, God's desiring fruit. Verse 5 For when we were in flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now you are delivered from the law, you that were dead, wherein you were held, that you should serve in newness of spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. I mean, we can apply that not just to the the nature of the world and the nature of of, uh, the new birth, but we can apply that to even how we conduct things. Because if we try to do it in our natural, without the, the, the Spirit of God, it'll bring forth death all the time. We can have an idea. It might be the right idea. It might be the right thing. But if we do it just in our carnal or in our intellect or our human nature, it will not bring forth. You know, you, you, you can, you, we all have children, loved ones that we want to see come in. But we've, we've been around long enough, we know it's not going to happen by you taking them by the scruff of the neck, dragging them to church, putting them in the pew and say, listen to the word and obey the word. It's not going to happen. In fact, it's a detriment when we do that. And what we need to do is lean and say, Lord, 
You allowed this child to come into my home. I'm going to create an atmosphere. I'm going to create conditions. I'm going to do all that I can to bring forth. And even when they leave, Lord, I would love to say a word. I would love to do this. But Lord, it's got to be you. You're the one that can draw on the heart. You're the one that can pull on it. Only you can do it. We want to allow the only one mate with a many-membered body. It's not the minister that has the seed. It's not the head of the home that, that has the seed. Ultimately, the spiritual seed is by God. The spiritual seed is God interacting with every son and daughter of God himself. And I say the message is pure, let's keep it pure. It's not a man's idea, it's not a man's doctrine, it's not men that are kingdom builders, but it's us giving way. The true minister is a eunuch, he has no seed of his own, but he's allowing God's seed to work amongst his body. <coughs> now, just, just jump back a few pages to, to John chapter 15 while we're here. I just referred to it a moment ago. Verse 1. John 15, verse, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now there's some beautiful verses here. I won't read all of it, but I'm just taking this, and I want to get to the part that I, I need to get to this morning. So let's go back to Genesis for a moment. And... Uh, while I'm there, I'm just going to read something, going back to Genesis chapter 3. Brother Branham would talk about this, <coughs> um, how that it, even in, in our serving God, sometimes we try to do it our own way. He says, many people come to church, and in their heart they want to serve God, but they find themselves defeated because their own intellectual conception of the gospel, just join a church do some good thing, give someone clothes, do a little deed. That's not the program of God. And he says Moses tried to do it his own way. He was wrong. And he would talk about others that would do their own thing. He says, so the thing you need to do is the intellectual mind is contrary to the Spirit. It thinks it has to be smart and wise. But the Holy Spirit is humble. Now, I, this may seem simple in, in some of where I'm going in a few minutes. But it says, break this down, and all you ever know is to walk sweet and humble before the Lord. Love Him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. We've been doing some fellowship with some of the brethren and studying the Bible and doing some things. And, and, and I thought about even how I perceived it. You know, you, you come and you look at the words of Jesus. They seem simple and they seem small and, and, and just parables and things. And then you see Paul expound on it. And, you know, and Brother Brown, we even talk about Paul. Paul was maybe the one that was just more from an intellectual group. So if your nature is intellectual, you'll, you'll gravitate to Paul and almost elevate him above the words of Jesus. But when God came from heaven, the very God that was made manifest, and he came to earth, he came in a man, the Son of Man, and he gave parables that were so simple, but to receive them would be to bring life. But if we operate in the channel of intellect, you can, you can find, even in the message, you can take the intellect and take the quotes and you live up here and you miss the real thing down here. 
It takes humility. It takes the Spirit of God to bring life. And I'm going to say in a home, it takes both mother and father. And mother brings something that father doesn't bring. Can we, I'm going there just in a few moments. Just stay with me a little bit. Now, so, so Brother Brandon would, would talk about just being humble, be led of the Holy Spirit, do what you can. So Genesis chapter 3, we find here in verse 16, Eve listened to the serpent. She would have brought forth. She would have spoke children. Now, there's, there's many people who think, well, they would have spoken and they would have just showed up there. I believe, you know, and, and I'm not going to try and make this a doctrine or, or a study of thought, I believe they would have been spoken word by a correct desire, not a sinful, lustful desire. And I don't believe, I think it would have been done with a thought of, I want to see God's purpose and program fulfilled. Now that, I, in, in my, my, I've looked at it different ways, but I believe she would have brought forth through childbearing. That, that, that's a mother and a father. But it would have been spoken word children. Now, now look at what God does here. He, in, in Genesis, you can re, I'm, I'm just focusing on verses 14 to 19. He first addresses the serpent. And the serpent that was a being that walked upright, God changes him and makes him to dwell on, on, on the ground and in the dust you'll eat all your life. So changes him. But now he addresses the woman next. And he says in verse 16, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. So in other words, she would have had a sorrow or she would have had a conception, but now it's going to be multiplied. Okay? And he says, in sorrow you'll bring forth children. But notice these next words. And your desire shall be to your husband and he shall rule over thee. So her place would not be what she desired, but it would be to be under that of her husband. And we took some time, and I, the Lord led it that way, about submitting and, and being a part of a body and being a part of a home. But now look at what was there. Now, in, in spoken word is the original seed. Brother Branham used some very flat language. Eve had to go and she, saw the per and she had to go and play the part of a harlot. Adam was her husband, but she went to the, to the serpent. So she went and she took a desire of wisdom and knowledge and ate from that tree before she ever committed the physical sin. It was in her mind. It was a sin already. Now, now we read this right from the beginning in Proverbs chapter 3, and I'm just going to refer to this one verse but it said, verse 18, She is a tree of life to everyone that lays a hold on her. Happy is everyone that retaineth her. Now, Brother Branham is talking about a tree of life. Now, I'm going to take this right out of um, Bride Tree. And Brother Branham would say, make this statement. And he would say, restoration of the Bride Tree, rather. He said, the bridegroom tree without the female doesn't bear fruit. So he's got to have a bride tree. She's got to be born of the same material, the Word made flesh in a tree. I hope you get it. The same life is in this female tree, the, the bridegroom, as it is in the bride. The works that I do shall you do also. 
And, and, and Brother Branham would refer to John chapter 15, verse 2, in, in talking about this. So now, I, I'm going to, I want to just go on this, just this road for a moment. Because Eve would have brought forth, Brother Branham speaks the message, seed is not air with the shuck. And in there he refers to three women that are in the Bible. He refers to Hagar, who had the right, who had the right seed, which was Abraham's seed, but it was the wrong womb, to bring forth the promise. Then there was Sarah, who had the right seed. It was the right womb for that hour, but it was a promise slightly doubted. So the womb wasn't in a position to fully bring forth. But then he also talks about Mary, Mary who was a type of the bride of this last day, Mary who would receive seed strictly by not, not even herself or anything she could do, but only what God could do. So it was the right womb, the right seed, the right time, the right everything to bring forth. Now, so now God begins to create this. And he gives a woman certain characteristics after she's wife, a nature to want to reproduce a nature to want to bring forth, not just because of the act and that it was an accident, but it was a nature of a woman to bring forth, but now God's wanting to bring forth the real, genuine Christ to the earth. And he's going to do it by spoken word is the original seed. Now you say, how can that be, Brother Ed? Let, let me take, read this, and then we're going to go to a scripture in First Samuel. Brother Branham would say this, in came sin. Sin marred the picture, but it can't stop the purpose of God. Sin came in. Woman brought forth a man, which was a secondary, perverted way. God never created him out of the dust of his earth with his own hands, but a woman had to bring him through sex. Now he says, what happened? Our bodies were in the dust of the earth, the calcium, the lumber, the potash. God was laying it out. It was there for the, for the foundation of the world. God still makes man from the dust of the earth. You came to the earth. You had no way of bringing yourself here. Sin marred it. God's purpose cannot be defeated. The people are coming on the earth in a per perverted way. So the Holy Spirit that brought you and I on the earth, he said he would have to, he said, let me slow down, let me slow down. He made us what we, the Holy Spirit brought you and I on this earth and made us what we are without having a choice, we would have come what we are without having a choice. But if he made me what I am without having a choice, and I was in God's image and brought forth, yet through a sinful act, God permitted it to be done. Now I'm come to this earth. I am what I am at my best by God's grace. Without having a choice, how much more can he raise me up in the last days if, if, if I make a choice? The Holy Spirit's never left the earth. It woos, it broods, and he says... Yes, you're the great God. I'm, I'm in sin and I'm ashamed of it. But he gives me then a choice. Now he says, now he, would, he could give me eternal life, answering back to his call. How much more can he raise me up if I made a choice and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Now you say, where am I going with this? Okay, let's, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now we all know this as a story and, and, and let me say this. I think Brother Andrew referred to this scripture last Sunday night. He says, Adam was a thought of God. 
an eternal thought of God. And he had to come forth in his season. John was an eternal thought of God. He had to come forth in his season. Jeremiah, the different prophets. So now God saw Israel and they were his people and they would need a prophet. Now God had to bring forth that prophet. But look at how God ordained his prophet to come forth. So the story starts, and I'm not going to read all of this, but there was a man in, 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 that lived, uh, his name was Elkanah, and he had two wives, Hannah and Paneah, and, and Paneah had children, Hannah had no children, and he went daily or yearly to worship, to, to, to do things, and, 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 and then Elkanah, he gave to Paneah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters a portion. So she was bearing children, but the other one was not bearing children. And he says unto Hannah in verse 5, he says, He gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Now, it's strange when you look at this, because it was also uh, Rebecca who was right in the lineage of, of Abraham's seed, and she had twins within her, and here's two women, here's, here's always these two paths that are there. But God's perfect way is there for us if we accept it. And so even if you look at the desire of... Uh, um, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm losing the name. Uh, but in Genesis 38, Tamar, her desire when she went to her father-in-law... And had and bore a child. It was not that it was a lustful act necessarily, but she was desiring, it was a time when it was desiring to fulfill God's purpose for a woman to feel fulfilled, to have a child. And and she was she was in the lineage, she was of the tribe of Judah, and, and without her doing this act, Christ who came through Judah never would have come. So God allows this scripture to be in the Bible showing the desire of a mother was greater than a, just a sexual desire. It was a desire that was resident within her. So now here is a woman who is loved by her husband but not bringing forth. And it said the Lord had shut up her wound, verse 6. And while this is happening, her adversary also provoked her sore to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Now why would the Lord do that? We can read in the Bible also where Leah prospered and had children. And, and Leah, who was a secondary thought to Jacob, Jacob loved Rachel. But Le and, and God saw that he loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. And because of that, he allowed Leah to prosper. He allowed her to prosper. And Rachel was withheld. Now this is God bringing forth. But when Rachel finally brought forth, it brought forth what? A Joseph, number one. And number two, a Benjamin. Which were critical to the program of God. Now, now let's look at this here. Now here the Lord had shut up the wound. And, and, and she went year by year. You know, I, I won't read all of this. But... As she's being provoked, she would weep and cry. She wouldn't eat. And Elkanah would say to her, Why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? Am I not better to you than ten sons? But even Elkanah couldn't change that which God had given her. 
But this womb was being cultivated. It was being brought to a place. Now just, just follow me through on this. And, and here she goes to the temple and she's in the temple and she's weeping. And verse 10 now, she's in bitterness of soul, praying unto the Lord and weeping sore. And in the middle of all this travail, something comes forth from her lips. And she said, O oh Lord, verse 11, if you will in look on the affliction of your handmaid and remember me and do not forget your handmaid, but will give unto your handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head. Now look at what desire was coming forth. She just didn't want any child. But she wanted a man-child, and she wanted him for God. What a desire. Friends, now take that to the bride of Christ. Oh, I want to have a church. I want to do this so we can say we have a church. That's not why. We want to fulfill the purpose of God. We don't want to just have a church that's full. And I say that on a bad day today. We don't want to just have a church that's full of pews. But we want to have a church that has sons and daughters of God. We want to fulfill God's commission. Eli sees this. He thinks she's drunk. And he has to say, no, I'm, 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 I'm not drunk. But I poured my soul out, verse 15. And then Eli says, go and God give you the petition. And, and, and give you grace, verse 19 and 20. Verse 19, they rose up early in the morning, worshiped in the Lord, and they returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and number, the last thing, and the Lord remembered her. Now God knew Israel needed a prophet. He knew that they needed Samuel. He knew that it, this was the days of the judges. And now it was God who was going to make his way known by way of the prophets. But to bring that forth, look at the pains that God had to take that woman through just so it could be her desire. God's not going to force you this morning to give up anything you don't want. But it's what you desire when sometimes he withholds things, sometimes he does it. You know, sometimes you think, I want this, I want that. And God in his wisdom doesn't allow us to have it. Thank God for that. What's he doing? He's bringing you to a perfect desire. He's bringing you to a perfect place where you can ask the right thing, where you can say the right thing, where your desire is now under subjection to his desire. In verse 20, And therefore it came to pass after the time that it was after Hannah had conceived, she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I asked him of the Lord. Oh, my. You know what you can do this morning if you're a parent? You've got a wayward son or a wayward daughter. You can go back to the very beginning and say, Lord, I didn't bring them in this world for them to live in the world. I brought them up for you, Lord. I claim them for you. I claim them for you. Friends, only a parent can do that. And I would say this, only a mother can provide the certain things. God gave those qualities. I won't go to it this morning, but you read in, in Isaiah chapter 49, and God says, can I forget you? No, a mother may forget her suckling child. May. Very, very unlikely that she does. But he says, I can never forget you. So this is an attribute that comes from God. It's the very thing God ordained for our homes and our lives, and we honor it this morning. 
Brother Harold, I believe you had a mother that prayed for you. I had a mother that prayed for me. I wouldn't be here today without the prayers of a mother that God ordained. And I don't know if we fully value what God characteristics place. It's not just a mother that, that, that takes care of the kids and, and, and cleans the house and does the clothes. But he placed certain compassion and characteristics and a child feeds off of that. And Brother Bannon would talk how a mother would give birth to a child, a child that has no intellect, no understanding. From the moment it's born is nursing off its mother and they said they would two days later try and put her under another woman and a child would reject it. Why? There's characteristics and qualities that God has placed that bonds these things together. If you've got a godly mother this morning, you ought to thank God. I'll tell you what, there's times when I was wrong and God had a mother praying for me. God had someone praying for me. If you remember the story of Aunt Jemima, the woman that Brother Bram saw in Memphis, and here she was, and she was calling on God and praying on God so much that God grounded a plane, told a prophet to walk that way, and when he came there, she was waiting for him all that time. And when they went in the room to pray, she wasn't condemning her son who had caught a social disease. She was patting him on the head and saying, my baby, my little boy, there was something that God ordained. And I think we need to honor it with all that we can. Now, let me... So we make a choice. God's still using His material. He knows the dust you came out of. He watched over everyone. He says, I'm calling you. I'm the one that wants to come. So we still have a choice to make. Now, the bride of Christ is also coming to a place I'm not going to read all of you, all of pick up your pen and write, but I really think it's a love letter to the bride. She has thus saith the Lord, or she stands still. God is molding our character so that we ask the right thing, that we have the right motive and the right objective, and, and we can do exactly what he, he had desired and purposed within himself. Why? Our desire is first unto him. It's not for myself. Hallelujah. I love that. Now, Brother Brandon would talk about a woman. And I'm just going to, the last 10 minutes or so, just take, take a little bit of this. I, I want you just to think about this for a moment. Here comes Satan. He, he's kicked out of heaven. He sees the man on earth, God's son, who was born of uh, Adam's God's genes on earth. He had the mind of God. He had everything. He was not deceived. But then he sees this woman, this weaker part, and he knows there's one thing Satan can't do. He can't, he desired to create, but he can only pervert. So he uses this channel. Now, Brother Adam would take pains and, and he would talk how a woman's holy and pure, and we read some of it already, how that was given her nature, her characteristics were given for her husband only, how it was given to all these things. But now he comes, and it's seemingly he perverts the whole plan of God, takes that which is holy and pure and sacred, and he defiles it. Now, I, I, I want to keep this on a Mother's Day channel, but, you know, yet God's purpose will not be defeated. And he says, 
okay, Satan, you've done that, but now I'm going to watch what I'm going to do. Because I'll, I'll say, nothing can defeat God's purpose. Now, Brother Branham says this in the Church Age book, and, and he would take a lot about on this about how woman's not meant to have an iron disposition and all of these things, and how her weakness allowed Satan to seduce her and all these things. But he comes down to this part, and he, he, and he says, she is a type, a woman that is not, re, not redeemed. She is a type of all things vulgar, foul, and loathsome on one hand. But on the other hand, she is a type of all things clean and beautiful. And holy as the receptacle of the Spirit and the blessings of God. On one hand, she's manifest in the end time, Revelation 17, as a whore that is drunk on the wine of her fornications. On the other hand, she's called the bride of Christ, bringing forth fruit unto him. She's called the new Jerusalem, our mother. On one hand, she's foul and wicked and lewd and cast into the lake of fire. On the other hand, she's exalted to heaven, sharing the very throne of God, the only place befitting a queen. Oh, I, I want to be found in the pages of the Bible in the right things. And Brother Brandon would take a lot of time talking about it. Now, just, just I, I'm, I'm taking my thoughts and condensing them just to the last part here. Now he says, a mother, when she's about to give birth, he says, you'll notice a spirit comes over her. There's a kindness about the women. This is things that are to be. She's more tender. Why? That little angel is there bringing... To, to bring a spirit to that little natural body. But it, it comes over the mother. And, and he would talk about how there's expecting mothers and how they crave things and they do things. And then after the child is born, there's a tenderness, there's a sweetness, there's something about it that is so wonderful. You can't even put words into it. You can't even hardly describe it. And, 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 he, and, and Brother Ram takes a lot of time to go into these things and he says, now we as a church, he says, stay in that channel. Submit yourself to Christ. Walk meekly, quietly, humbly. Because we also are the womb, the bedding ground. We want to see children come forth. We want to have an atmosphere in our homes. And he says, don't go listening to gossip and getting your temper up. The dove just takes a flight. Friends, if you don't have it, remember, she's not very far from you this morning. He said, Submit your rights. Lay them before God. Lay on His shearing table. You can be happy. You can be a new creature in Christ. Let's just go to, let's go to Proverbs 31. We're just going to close with a few things out of this here this morning. I'll tell you what, it's not very popular in the world we live in today to be speaking about a woman's place. It's not very popular. But I'll say this, a woman that recognizes her place in the Word of God next to her husband, there is nothing more glorious. I'll tell you what, when you see her walking with her husband, her with her children, I'll tell you what, that's an example. The natural is an example of the spiritual. That's what we ought to strive for in our homes. Listen, God made Never made the man or made the woman responsible for the man, but he made the man responsible for the woman. So husbands, we have a great duty to, to create 
a place where a woman can operate in her position. Not by rules and authority, but to love her and let her know you're necessary for this household. You're necessary for all that God desires for us. Now, if you're in Proverbs chapter 31, just, just come with me. We, we read verses 10 to 12, but I want to read just a couple of these things. These are natural things, but I, I wanted to bring them from where they come from. Is that, is that all right? So we read verse 12, she'll do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. She is like merchant ships bringing her food from afar. You ought to see our vehicle when it comes back from Costco. It's coming back. It's got all the things. I got this because this one likes this and this one likes that and that one likes this. Listen, who, who would care for all of those things? Once in a while, you know what, it, I, I don't go shopping for groceries very often, but once in a while when my wife and I go shopping for groceries together, I enjoy it. Because then I hear why she's getting this, and this will do good for them, but if I mix it with this, it'll be even better if it's a little child. And then as they're older, yeah, you know what, I'll toss in a bag of chips once in a while. Because, you know, da, da, da. They'll, they'll do things, what are they there? They're thinking on a level that we don't even think. No, they are. Hey, if I was picking the groceries, I'd just go to the meat section. Get the biggest steaks you can. Make sure they're T-bones and they're juicy. Now, I've changed that a little bit. I also go to the celery section, section and the carrot section and, and some other things, and I check how much fat is on it and trans fat is on it, and that makes a difference. I never used to look at that, but now I do. Okay, so you, you, some of your brothers aren't there. Don't worry. You'll find a need for it one day. <laughs> We've got to listen to what our body is telling us. And part of that is, is, is what? oh man, how did I get on this this morning? That wasn't in my notes. She's like merchant ships. She rises up while it's night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She's thinking ahead. She's, she's preparing ahead of time. I'll tell you what. Husbands, if you got a, a wife that's fulfilling all of these things... Say, thank you, Lord, for a good wife. And he's saying, she considers a field. She buys it with the fruit of her hand. She plants a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her candle goes not out by night. We have a couple of sons that are working and uh, aside from the rooster that crows in the neighbor's yard, uh, my wife wakes up sometimes because one of them has to leave the house just after six. And she goes, is, is, is so-and-so up yet and gone? I says, I'm sure he'll make it out the door. But she's thinking about it. And then the other one, you know, he's going a little later. Has he gone? Mothers don't stop being mothers. God put that in them. Even when your children leave home, thank God that it's there. Thank God there's that love and compassion that's there. That's God-given traits. I, I trust you can appreciate that this morning. She, verse 19, she lays her hands to the spindle. Her hands hold the distaff. She stretches her hands to the poor. She reaches forth her hands to the needy. I just heard not a mother but a grandmother the other day 
just the other yes, it's just a day or so ago here, just talking and saying, "Oh, if I could have this, then I would give some to my children and my grandchildren." It doesn't stop, does it? You're always thinking about something. You're always giving something. I, you know what? We don't think of it all the same way, do we, brothers? We think if I got a little extra money, what am I going to do? I need a new tractor. I need a new quad. I need a new boat. I need. Well, mothers think differently. <laughs> Okay, not a lot of amens this morning here, but I trust somewhere out there there's amens. She is not afraid of the snow. I think that was written for Edmonton. Verse 21, for her household. For her household are clothed with scarlet. I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm having to use personal examples. We, we would go out and our daughter when she was born... She was covered in a blanket, in a sleeper. Then she was covered with this thing that went over top. There was a little window she could look out. And when it was winter time and she was looking out, she was covered up. And then we'd go out to the store and we'd do things. And my wife would look and she would see somebody, parent, taking their child, not with a head covered, and it's cold out. I'm, th I'm talking minus temperatures. And it would grieve her. She says, oh, what are they doing? Do these things matter to the gospel, brother Ed? Absolutely they do. That's why, sisters, sit under your mothers. Learn these things. Understand these things. These are not just, you, know, you don't find them in a handbook. They're learned. They're characteristics. They're, they're part of your birth, your, your, your family, your upbringing. Now, he says, She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes fine linen. She sells it. She delivers girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in the time to come. Back to our subject, verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom. I, I'm more appreciative of the viewpoint my wife has on some things regarding our family than ever before. And she'll make me aware of something did you know this and this? I go, I hadn't thought about that. You know what you need to do sometimes is listen to that. Men, self, brother Ed, listen to that. It's good. And thank God it's there. And you need to honor that. And now, Brother Branham would talk about the women of the Bible, the great women of the Bible. You talk about Susanna Wesley. Her, she, she was... She was the mother of Charles and John Wesley. She raised 19 children. She would scrub all these things. But she did not just these natural things, but a mother is the fifth gospel. A mother is the one where the children, she is their Sunday school. We haven't had a chance to have Sunday school. I trust that there are mothers that are having Sunday school for their children. She is the... She is the Sunday school teacher. She's the one that's laying the word in and laying things in. And out of what Susanna Wesley did, there was a Charles Wesley. There was a John Wesley, a messenger to an age. What a reward this woman will have one day. What a place she holds. Oh, we ought to be grateful this morning. And he would say, she looks well to the ways of her household. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. She's not just on her device. She's not just on the phone. She's not just there. But she's preparing. She's doing things. She's thinking things. 
Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. I want to say the message has produced some of the greatest examples of mothers. I believe in our midst, we have mothers, and we have potential mothers, and we have the, what God has ordained to be a beautiful thing as the musicians come. God has ordained a beautiful thing to be there as an example. Brother Moses spoke on being an example. Mothers, take your example from the women of old. Look at how they act. Look at how they adorn themselves. Look at how they gave themselves. I believe we need to keep that going. We need to follow that through. I want to say, God bless all the mothers today. God bless you for what you're doing. I know it's not always seen, and I don't just want this to be token words or platitudes that we're just doing because it's Mother's Day. I believe we're bringing forth life. I believe we're part of God's program. And spiritually as a church, I believe we're also a part of that program. I believe that we as a church ought to be bringing forth as well, giving, giving to God what He's desiring in our services, in our ministry, in our worship, creating an atmosphere, allowing the Holy Spirit to work. I believe that's a desire that we should all have. We want God's way to be our way, don't we? Amen. Wherever you're at this morning, let's stand together. It says in verse 31, Give her of the fruit of her own hands. Let her own works praise her in the gates. Don't make today one day. Make it something that you're appreciative of every day. Maybe you forget some days. I, I try to make it a point to call my mother as often as I can. And to tell her I appreciate her. And I appreciate her prayers. And I appreciate all that she's done. I wouldn't be here today without her. So we ought to thank God. Well, let's sing a chorus or two. I, I had different songs that I felt maybe we could sing. Why don't we sing, Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. You're Beautiful. Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. And Your face is all. Your grace abound in me.
help me just live it, Lord. And when I'm doing well, help me never seek a crown, for my reward is giving glory.